This is episode 28 of Fresh Floppies. You should listen to it now. What's up to all our sidekicks and henchfolk out there in the Geek Nation? You are listening to the aforementioned Fresh, Fresh Floppies. Uh, perhaps it would be episode, not 27 or 29, but the one in between, whatever that is. But either way, here on this show, we talk about comics. What kind of comics do we talk about? Floppy ones. What's a floppy? It's a weekly, well, monthly comic book that comes out in uh, I mean, uh, chronological, not chronological order. But yeah, <laughs> I mean, it does come in chronological order. Yeah, yeah. They're literally numbered. Lying. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, they come out monthly and you read them and then eventually there's like five or six of them and they made a trade paperback. But this is this is for the folks who are going into the shop today or this week and they want to know what should I pick up, what should I not pick up, but we're not going to spoil anything for you. No. So, Great. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, I uh, before it before it becomes a problem later. I just want to make one correction. Um, sometimes they're not monthly. Sometimes they're biweekly. You sometimes mother. they're uh, every six weeks. Sometimes, sometimes they're, they're quarterly. Sometimes quarterly. Sometimes yeah, yeah. they're uh, bi-monthly. So they come out in a predetermined uh, amount of time, which is often always adjusted anyway. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, which has no basis in reality. You There's got one it. book that comes in and clockwork. Every two weeks, and we'll talk about that last. But the first book we're going to talk about is what? Birds of Prey, the face-breaking first issue by Kelly Thompson and uh, Romero? Leonardo? Leonardo? Le- yeah, Leonardo Romero. Yeah, with colors by Jordi Belair and lettering by Clayton Cowles. I'm a big Kelly Thompson fan. She just finished off a 50-issue run of Captain Marvel. Uh, and then also, uh, I think, a miniseries or two, like Star, which was great. And uh, she's also doing another one of my current excitement books called The Cull from, is it Boom or Image? Image. It's Image. Very excited about that one. First issue uh, came out a couple weeks ago, and it's great. So I was very excited to see Birds of Prey by Kelly Thompson. What did you think of this book? I presentation? Thought... Oh, um, I mean, it's... Um classic presentation it's a comic book the, the uh, <laughs> yeah well yeah this is when i say comic book this is exactly what you get there's no i mean i don't have a cardstock cover or anything crazy yeah. the the paper stock is um it's matte finish but uh we'll talk about how that actually enhances the uh the way that this book is constructed mm-hmm. and um you know, slightly glossy cover uh, yeah. i think it's as fresh as fresh can be in regards to presentation. It's, you've got your, it's your basic comic book cover. you got one, two, three, four, five different female characters leaping into action. Oh, God. Oh, God. Action. <laughs> Lozenge. <laughs> um, I loved this book. I thought it was great. Yeah, you did. You know yeah. why? Because it was great. Because it's great. It's yeah. a really great jumping on point. Even if you don't know any of these characters uh, and you just want a really fun superhero uh, team book. This this is the one. Mm-hmm. And the um, we should talk about the art. We first, absolutely I think. should. Um, the art itself is is uh, f- fun, serviceable. It's yeah. got a almost um, YA twinge to it. But then Jordi Belair comes. Jordi Belair comes in with the colors and escalates that art into such weird heights that I didn't know I wanted. Yeah. Um, this book is intentionally designed to feel like a 80s? newsprint. Early nineties. Early nineties. I think so. More early nineties. Late eighties, but all right. We'll split the difference. But still, like a newsprint, um, sloppy coloring. No, not sloppy. It's supposed. It's mimicking that kind of like sloppy sloppy coloring, where the colors bleed into other colors, and yeah. 
Yeah, it's like a, um, it's like they. I think it, it's it's almost as if um, as a challenge they handicap themselves with a limited color palette, mm-hmm. and it makes it work. Yeah, it, it very much is like the uh, the color schemes of yesteryear, um, without actually going in. I think and adding false zipatone. Uh, mm-hmm. There's there's a splash page here which is delightful with black canary and little bat. Um, <laughs> That's right, and uh, it looks like. It was actually done with marker or yeah, it's not watercolor. Definitely like a marker sort of um, digital technique, tool. But Nobody it's does this by hand. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the 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 story itself is just uh, Black Canary has to put together a team of people that she only mildly trusts or kind of trusts. Like kind of puts together this little team to do something mysterious, and they can't tell Barbara about it. Yeah. Period. Um, everyone knows they're helping Sin. Yeah. Who is Black Canary's well, they, sister? They know that when they accept. The gig. The gig. Oh, see, because I thought she gets everyone in to join. Everyone's kind of like, eh, until they're like, we got to help Sin. And they're like, oh, you're help- we're helping Sin? All right, I'm in. The only one that does that is Little Bat. Everyone else is a favor or Oh, and also this? Big Barda. Sin, she's in danger? Yes. Where? Oh, yeah, that's right. She knows Sin. Yeah. Uh, so, like, I don't really know. I don't have a lot of experience with Sin. So the fact that every almost every person on this team joins because they're like, oh, Sin needs me? Okay, I'm in. Zealot, um, it's, um, Cassie doesn't know her. Zealot doesn't know her. Um, it's basically just Barda. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, Cassie is just like, uh, it's your sister? Yeah, of course. Your sister. Gotcha. Um, and Harley is just the wild card, so she doesn't know shit. That's my favorite bit of this book. Every time Harley Quinn shows up on a team that is sort of, it's kind of like Green Arrow, but worse, because she just has a hammer. Um, I I feel like I need to know why Harley's on the team. And the fact that she's on this team and the, the way we find out why she's on this team, the story that it's told to us makes me go, okay, I'm into that. I like that. I, it's, um... I'm going to I'm going to I'm I'm going to compare Kelly Thompson how she constructed this book to um that of the early works of uh, uh Mr. Brian Bendis. Oh. This book very similarly is constructed not unlike that first issue of New Avengers. This putting together of this team um there's literally conversations about like the kinds of persona slots mm-hmm. and how they fit and that the idea of the first of all the idea of like a wild card on your team or you have to have an air quotes like wolverine yeah. kind of thing like that all stemmed from there so like i really like this idea of trying to math out team dynamics mm-hmm. and it's she kind of puts it together this it reminded me of new avengers right on. early early new avengers Which of kind of like it's it's almost self-referential uh to a degree of how they humorously manufacture a comic book team teams yeah, yeah. yeah. uh but yeah the, uh, this is this book is awesome there was also um i want to i i didn't look it up because i'm lazy this is this this scene with barda has to be a reference to mr miracle this here the chandelier bit and the panel layout with the traitor i'm almost positive this was one of like the sequences of their like you know Oh. Fights through. Oh, okay. I'm almost positive. I did not. The chandelier bit. Oh, die, traitor. Yay, you first. Like the, there was that sequence in that book where they were just almost getting like lazily into fighting a war where it's mm. like, yeah, 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 the chandelier bit. Oh, good one. Oh, I have to, 
every visit. I think I, I remember. I'm almost positive it's a reference. I will say to anyone listening, if you haven't read Mr. Miracle by Tom King and Mitch Jarrett, absolutely do. So what would you give this? Oh, this is uh, fresh AF. Yeah. I'm into this a lot. Yeah, I like this I was this looking a lot. forward to it, and it did not deny me the pleasure I was anticipating. This is up there with um, the best of DC right now. And DC's killing it with all of their miniseries and stuff, and even some of their ongoings. I think they're doing a great job right now, or at least, you know, keeping me entertained. I think they have four really, really great ongoings, mm-hmm. and then everything else is a crapshoot. But still, that's a lot for a pull list. I think they're doing great. Uh, next up, Blue Beetle. Be-be-be-be. The Dawn of DC. We're sticking with the Dawn of DC. This is Blue Beetle number one. It's a new, I want to say probably miniseries, by Josh Truillo and Adrian Gutierrez. 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 Yeah, I said that right. <laughs> um, so I don't have a lot of Blue Beetle experience. Neither Ted Cord nor Jaime uh, Reyes. Um, but I've dipped in here and there. I'm definitely more of a Cord guy. But uh, I did see the movie and I was like, that movie was delightful. I enjoyed watching that. Mm-hmm. I'll be checking with Blue Beetle in the comic books and see what's going on with this guy. Was Turns out I don't, I don't know what he's been doing. <laughs> there's a lot of there's a lot of folks in this that I never met before. I have no idea who they are, and uh, they do the minimal amount of work to let me know who they are. I guess he had some. All right, so for anyone who doesn't know, Jaime uh, interacted with a scarab, which gave him all the blue beetle powers that he has. It's it's very much uh, a sentient armor that he wears that communicates with him through his head and um, can create almost anything that he can think of. Uh, the the original Blue Beetle had access to this, which gave him a little amount of power. And then Ted Cord had uh, no uh, experience with this thing, <laughs> even though it was in his possession. So the, the Scarab has to choose you, and it has to become symbiotic with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there are a bunch of, I'm assuming, villains who are now on the side of the angels. So now they're sort of teaming up with him um, and helping him out. One is Dynastus. Dynasties. Okay. Uh, and then the other one is Natita. So can you describe them? They're they're basically bugs. These are different colored bugs. Right? Yeah. 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 Uh, one's green. One's gold. Uh, and they. I, but I don't know. Is that like gold beetle and green beetle, or are they just called dynasties and Natita? That I don't know. Uh, I don't. I, yeah. I I have very little. First of all, I did not read this issue. Yeah. Um, but then also I have very little kind of like toehold in anything that's happened with Blue Beetle since yeah. Infinite Crisis. Same, same. Like I yeah. read some of his, some of that series afterwards and that's what made me kind of fall for Jaime Reyes. But what he's been up to the last decade and a half, yeah. no, no clue. Same. Yeah. Uh, and we've got a race of aliens who apparently are here living on Earth and sort of mostly confining themselves to a ship. Um, so there's a lot of anti-alien um, struggle in the neighborhood because these aliens left the ship and were just like going to eat some food. And so, of course, everyone, you know, the I guess the assholes are flipping out about it. Um, so, yeah, there's, it, a, there's a lot of stuff going on. Is it, is it a, let, let's brass tax it. Is this a good jumping on point? Y- yeah. If you're, if you're interested in Blue Beetle uh, and he seems like he might be your bag baby. So it's a good jumping on point, but it didn't seem like it, Worked for you? Uh, I thought it was fine. Okay. As far as just uh, reading comic books and and having a pleasurable experience, I was like, oh, this is pretty good. 
but I wasn't like, oh my God, I got to see what happens next to Jaime. Um, and also we should mention that Ted Cord is still his mentor, but now they're progressing the character ever so slightly so that he's no longer the green character that he was like inexperienced. Mm-hmm. And so now he's going to be leading the, these other bugs that are hanging out. They're going to, they're, they're, they're gracing him. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So he's taking the next step uh, in his character evolution. Cool. Yeah, um, yeah. Speaking, uh, another book that that came out this week I would from say uh, fresh DC. Fresh enough. Fresh enough. Yeah. Fresh. F- freshish. 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 Yeah. Uh, another book that came out from Dawn of DC. Uh, sorry, from DC. Dawn of DC number uh, oh, fucking a. One more another time. book that came out this week on stands <laughs> from publisher DC. <laughs> uh, comics. Comics <laughs> is Dawn of DC presents Fire and Ice. Colon, welcome to Smallville, number oh, one. Nice. Yeah. By whomst? Uh, that's a great question. Thank Joanne you. Starr is the scripter, scriptish, the writer, uh, and uh, Natasha Bustos is the arts. Do we know um, either of these people? Joanne Starr, I've seen on like anthologies and some okay. stuff here and there. I think I think she's a passive follow on mm. of mine, or I follow her passively on Twitter. So I was excited about this only because my favorite book of this year was Human Target, which mm-hmm. features both Fire and Ice. If you don't know who Fire and Ice are, they are two female characters from the Justice League International. Fire is a Brazilian woman, and um, so Ice is... Fire, Beatrice da Costa. Uh, so the best part of this book is yeah. the um, recap, which uh-huh. is just floating heads talking about themselves. Um uh, as a fire, you haven't heard of me. Well, that's embarrassing for you. I used to be a model, obviously, but then I gained superpowers. I found my true calling, international fame. Oh, and the ability to help people, whatever. The Justice League didn't always see my full potential, but ice has been by my side the whole time. Aww. It's time for the world to see what we're truly capable of. I'm done being underestimated. And then ice, Tora Olfelstutter. Oh no, one really wants to hear about me, do they? I grew up a princess of a magical Norwegian tribe because a superhero (laughs) and then actually died for a bit. That was strange. But it's all given me perspective on what's really important in life. I'm so grateful to have the second chance. Each Each day is a gift and I get to share it with my best friend, Fire. So they're best friends, polar opposites. Something happens to where they get kind of... um, reprimanded slash downgraded uh and superman suggests they go live in smallville at the farm oh geez yeah that's oh, like the, that's that's, the, that's what he does when there's like a new super kid or something yeah it's like, like a child you need to be trained at the farm oh snap you need you need martha's guidance oh um but uh fire being the the fire cracker yeah that she is um doesn't go to the farm she actually rents out the only place that she can rent out is a salon in the middle of smallville that uh-huh. was closed down previously so here they are running a salon um having two completely different kind of goals for this uh sojourn into smallville ice wants to literally just figure out who she is and live a life maybe that's finding somebody maybe it's not just kind of yeah. establish discovering who she is sure fire Wants to get back in the game and keeps yeah. making YouTube videos and has like almost a murder wall of villains that's that are F list uh, and wants to start tracking <laughs> them down. Yeah. So it's it sets up this kind of comedic foil. They have a helper robot, Elron. I think he's like an old. Yeah, go ahead. I think he's like an old um, uh, Kryptonian 
thing, but he's hilarious. Yeah. Uh, and he keeps calling them different names. Um, so this is a very cutesy book. It it has a very YA feel to it. I was going to say why. Even just you the, were, art. the the dialogue in the beginning that you were reading felt very YA. It's 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 so hella YA. So I I sh- struggle to recommend this to just anybody because uh-huh. it's not very um, tonally. It's not like broad. It's yeah. not very welcoming. It's a very specifically toned. Um, but it's super cute. Um, it's got a lot of um, it's got a lot of character. It's got a lot of flair. Um, there's a couple of good jokes. Uh, there's a couple of cringy ones, mm-hmm. which again makes me think like, ah, oh, this would be perfect for a 13 year old. Yeah. Yeah. This is okay. a, this is very much kind of a YA book. Great. It's good to know. Um, but I'm, yeah, I'm gonna read it. It's it super sounds, cute. It sounds cute. It's super that cute. Might be, um, I, I like the occasional YA. Book. And just as I was starting to get a little bored with it, they smacked me with a awesome cliffhanger. Wonderful. Yeah. So I think this is fresh enough. I don't know if it's worth reading weekly, but uh, I would definitely keep an eye on it. Nice. It's cute. Yeah, it's super I will, cute. I will definitely check it out. Uh, what else you got there in your little stack? I got stack The Sacrificers, food. number two, by Rick Remender, Max Fiumara, and Dave McCaig. So uh, I don't know if I talked about it before, but I read issue one when it came out. And a customer came in yesterday and I said, hey, uh, there's a new book on the shelf, Sacrificers, Rick Remender. And he goes, ah. I gave up on Rick Remender. I said, oh, that's that's what I said. I said, what? And he's like, yeah, it's just everything he writes is such a downer. And I went, oh, you know what? Yeah, you're right. No. (laughs) Pretty much. I mean. A lot of it is. And this this is no exception. I will. I'll push back at that. All of his concepts are downers, but very few of them end on downers. Right. Fear Agent doesn't end on a downer. Black. they, They are. They are usually deep dives through a valley of mm-hmm. of awfulness yeah. but very few of them end on downers gotcha yeah um but this is another one so basically there are two worlds uh one one race that lives up actually i believe in the literal sun of the planet below it and they are a race of fire ro- ro- royalty and then there are every there's a bunch of civilizations um villages uh, what have you down on the planet and everyone has to go and um raise one of their children um i think it's not every family but every village they visit has to sacrifice one of their own and generally most of these children are kept in squalor they are fed moldy bread like they, they are specifically sort of abused and uh, then get carried off um, by um, these people who come to collect them. Hmm. And then they they walk all together uh, sort of. Are they chained? Yeah, they're actually chained together and they have to go along the path to create to pick up more sacrif- sacrificial characters. So feel good. Um, but there are this one um Society, they're sort of whale people. They sort of have whale features, but are humanoid. Mm-hmm. Uh, they treat their sacrificial character as a um, sort of um, kind of kind of royalty. They like they're they're kept very well. They're fed um, lovely food, and they're treated beautifully. Um, and so there's sort of this interesting back and forth between the sacrificers. As they're traveling 
where th- a lot of them are just like, I lived with maggots you, <laughs> and you are, you, you had delicious cake every day. Like we are not the same and you're an idiot. You, you're in a cult. Um, we're all being chained and taken to this place to die. And, but you know, the person who had the different experience was like, no, we're, we're going to be, it's beautiful to be sacrificed. We're being taken somewhere, um, to govern the rest of the land. That's why we're being sacrificed. Um, our sacrifice is actually giving up our lives in order to rule and make decisions. Hmm. And the other ones are like, we're going to be thrown into a goddamn volcano. Are you insane? So you're never quite sure what, what is going to happen to these characters. And we don't oh. know at the end of this, except the end is not what I thought it was going to be. The end of this issue cool. was different than I thought um, because they are taken to a specific place. And I was like, oh, that is not where I saw them going. So it's almost um, as if this sounds like a, um, a a creative allegory for religion and faith. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 100%. Yeah, this um, looks cool. And, and the art is so cool. Uh it's half ugly, half gorgeous. It's hard to explain. That's Max Fiamora right there. Yeah, baby. man. Um, just, what do you think of the art? Look, flipping through it. Oh, I, I, well, I know what I'm in for. I think it's great. I think yeah. it's beautiful. It's a very um, cool looking book. He he has a way of oscillating, or Max Fiamora has a way of oscillating between incredibly detailed but really, really sketchy, and he does it for the purposes of whatever emotion he's trying to convey. Mm-hmm. And it's I, it works for me, but I could totally see somebody pulling out a panel or two and being like, what is this crap? Like, yeah. It's the intention. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so I highly recommend Sacrifices. If you're looking for a story that is maybe not as conventional as your usual comic book, uh, this Rick Remender usually uh, delivers on that for you. Uh, yeah, and I, 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 genu- I know that he's never going to come back to the big two, but I genuinely miss his stories with the big two. Uh, by big two, I mean like Marvel and DC, like yeah. established IP characters, because he always had a way of um, going crazy, like balls to the wall, ending the world, destroying characters, ripping things apart. But he always had like a way of just putting it all right back in the box. Yeah. So I love his his like shoot for the moon kind of way of telling stories. Like we're gonna keep pushing the boundary and, and it's almost uh it's more of like a magic trick on of okay, cool, cool, cool. How are you gonna get back? How are you yeah. gonna get back? Because he always figures out a way of like pulling Did he it do back. Frankencastle? Yeah. Yeah. Axis. That wasn't very good, but the stuff that led up to it, Uncanny all of his X Force, that was cool. What all of my all-time favorite Marvel? All books. of his, all of his, um, um, Secret Invasion, Secret Avengers. Oh yeah, super, super underrated. Uh, that book was so fantastic. Oh, and then like Rage of Ultron, all that stuff mm-hmm. with Hank Pym, I think is still good mm-hmm. or still in continuity. Yeah, I love Rick Remender's work. Yeah, uh, I like I like his um, image stuff better. I think. Overall, yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, oh, uh, but pretty fresh. It's pretty good. I like this a lot. I'm going to stay in DC because it seems like that's all I read this week. Uh, I want to talk about uh, uh, published by DC Comics. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dawn of DC presents uh-huh. Batman number oh. 137, Legacy number 902, Jesus. The Gotham War oh, yeah. Part 2. So last week I did talk about uh, this. Uh, what is it? Battle lines. Yes. Uh, are you familiar with what happened in the in the no. battle lines? What no. the war that they're referring to what is I going to be? What I heard was that it's between Batman and Catwoman, and Catwoman has come up with some sort of way to maybe deal with crime in Gotham City that is not Batman's way. Yes. Okay. So um, at the end of Night Terrors. 
Batman is so exhausted he falls into basically a coma. Oh. He is, uh, yeah, all the doctors are like, he's just sleeping. They, he used his body up, not sleeping. And uh, he was possessed by Boston Brand for like. That's right, yeah. because he was possessed by Boston Brand. All right, all right. Um, so he Sorry, sli- it, was starting, it was starting to take on tinges of uh, Padme died because she was sad. No, no, no. <laughs> But yeah, I forgot about the Boston Brand. He, um, uh, he was out for eight weeks. Okay. Eight weeks. Yeah. In the course of this eight weeks. What a uh, snooze. As a, as a new parent. That sounds lovely. (laughs) Selena has um, decided to employ, train and employ. um, She's she's on a kick to uh, prevent recidivism, (laughs) to train and employ the henchmen of every other. uh, Because uh, it's almost like the labor force of every big bad is treated like shit and they never get a payday and blah, Uh blah, blah. So she is literally... Training them all to be burglars, setting up specifically what their marks are to be without any kind of violence, and having them send out on jobs. She's essentially creating almost like a crime syndicate. I was going to say. A former henchmen that have standards, morals, no no kills, no body count, all kinds of stuff. So oh. she's. So it is. It has technically worked. There is less violent crime, there are less murders, um, but it's still crime. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the idea of like, it's just rich people. It's right. fine. Um, so Batman wakes up to this and he's like, that's not the point. That's <laughs> not my uh, jam, baby. That's not really what it is. Yeah. Um, and it escalates far too quickly. Um, For your taste? It Do you es- mean like story-wise reading it? You're like, oh, that escalated too quickly? Or is it just like no, everything's heightened and it makes sense? Because Batman that's- has been in a coma. So the Batman and Catwoman of it all yeah. makes sense. Okay. The way every other character responds to this doesn't make any sense. Okay. It's like everyone is as escalated as them two in order to facilitate the story as opposed to what these people would actually be doing. Okay. Um, so the, the that Battle Lines was like tenuous. It was like, this is a really good idea. The central conflict, I think, is really, really interesting. Like, what if we just remove violent crime? Would Batman be okay with that? But, of course, that. he's not. It's yeah. a really, really good that's idea. A good, that's a good idea. But, I mean, they literally talk about it for four seconds before they're starting to fight each other. Yeah. And, basically, the entire Bat family agrees with Selina. Oh. All of them. What? Except Damien. Eh. Eh. All uh, of them? All of them. Harpra? All of them. Okay. All right. Which I didn't get. Yeah, I don't. I like if the if the story is gonna convince me of that. Yeah. It's convince not. Me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got to convince me. Yeah. yeah. So this is Jorge. This is written by Chip Zdarsky uh, with Jorge Jimenez art. Ooh. The art is beautiful. It is a very good looking book. I love Jorge. Um, the action sequences are wonderful. There are a couple of conversations, of course, between the Bat family about like this feels weird, but the numbers don't lie. Uh, can we talk to him? Batman is going through something too. He's feeling his age. He's got a robotic hand. The whole like he's oh, he's essentially right. like kind of spiraling himself personally. Yeah. So. All the stuff is on paper as to why people would respond this way, yeah. but it's just not really clicking okay. completely. Okay. Um, I don't understand why this this you know what this feels like this feels like Robert Kirkman's terrible habits of it's more interesting if people fight without talking as opposed to these rational right. people ever just having a conversation. Yeah, yeah. It's it feels way too uh, comic booky. It's taking me out of it. Sure. Like every time something cool kind of gets rolling. Yeah. 
character makes a really weird choice. Yeah. And you're like, well, I don't know if they would do that. They would do that. It yeah. seems as though they're servicing the story and not the characters. Heroes in crisis. Basically. Yeah. Um, but uh, but then there's also some teases in here about like maybe it's going to get bigger. I, it's Did you enjoy interesting. It? I th- <laughs> I didn't. I don't hate. I didn't hate reading it. <laughs> um, and it's really pretty. And it's again, it's interesting. And there's there's a there's a couple of like surprises in the end where it's like, oh, Batman is broken. Like mentally and physically yeah. broken. I mean, he also had that whole th- even before this, he had that whole thing with like the multi, the multiverse of Batman, right? Yeah, with the Chip Zdarsky run. This is all. This is all. All of that is layered into this because that yeah. kind of shows up too, where he's mentally not really doing well. Yeah, yeah, um, makes sense. So, I don't question him and her. That makes sense. It's how everything else in Gotham and every other character that you know is almost kind of. F- they're falling in line oddly yeah. quickly. Like this yeah. is issue two and it's like already like a giant battle between the entire bat family and Batman. Wow. And you're like, but why though? Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, even, you know what? I, I would almost accept like conscientious objection more than we got to take them down. Yeah. Like why? Yeah. Yeah. I, I was, it was really throwing me off. So I trust just Chip Zdarsky. He's a very, very, very good writer and plotter. So maybe there's something I'm not seeing yet. Mm-hmm. But as for the second issue of this, it's it's more off-putting than exciting. Okay. Yeah. All right. But uh, fresh, fresh enough. Fresh enough. Yeah. Like uh, the 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 work is on the page. I just don't know if it's clicking for me. Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, Amazing Spider-Man. We're gonna wrap it up with um, number thirty-three from. Wells, Zeb Wells, and Patrick Gleason. Patty Glees. This, uh, this would this went differently than I thought it was. So, the last issue we had Craven the Hunter somehow take all using magic, take all of the sins that were <laughs> sucked out of him. <laughs> magic, uh, taking all of the sins that were sucked out of Norman Osborn, putting them into a mystical spear of some sort, and his plan was to stab Normie with the spear and put all of his sins back in. Mm-hmm. But whoop, I think Spider-Man jumped in the way. Yep. And so all of Norman Osborn's sins and evil went into Peter instead of Norman Osborn. So I thought that would be a goblin story because he's got the goblin's sins. But really it becomes a uh, a sequel to well, a threequel to um, Craven's Last Hunt, and it's basically Peter doing Craven's Last Hunt to the current Craven, who is not actually the Craven who did that. This is his son, clone, well, clone, yeah, raised as son. Okay, yes, that guy. Yeah. Um, which was it was it was it was good. I enjoyed it. It's dark. Um, it's and Pete is not quite as evil as all of those sins would have led me to believe he was. Do you know what I mean? Like all of Norman Osborn's sin, like that's that's a lot. So that's I, a crazy mother. I it's um, I don't think it's as um. What are the rules? I don't think yes. it's as um, straightforward as that. Uh, I think it's not that he now he does possess like whatever uh, if sins are energy, he now possesses all of this energy inside of him that is corrupting him. That doesn't make him 
I think the the misconception, especially from the internet last week or two weeks ago, was that great. Now is the goblin like no? He had, just has lots of evil inside of him, mm. so he is being a shitty Peter, yeah, a, a shitty vengeful Peter. Mm-hmm. That's it. So this was just him not having the guardrails of his morality. Yeah, yeah. Right? Okay. So I thought that was pretty cool. I didn't love this issue. It was fine. It feels a little Nick Spencer-y for some reason. It feels narratively messy. So I love the idea of what's happening. And honestly, if I would have taken out Every single text box. Mm -hmm. No dialogue or text box in this entire issue. It would be more successful. Oh, okay. It was just a silent. If this was a silent issue, it would be fantastic. Because every single... There's there's three main characters in this issue that we're following. And it keeps cutting back and forth. It's Peter, Norman, and... um, Craven, and you get yeah. their their first person kind of narration each time with very little dialogue. I think there's only dialogue at the end with some threats from Peter to Craven. Yeah. Every single one of their internal dialogues has two voices, mm-hmm. and it works for Peter, and it kind of works for Norman, but I don't understand it for Craven. I, it's like they're establishing this kind of like. Everyone's got two voices in them, but they didn't do... Two wolves, yeah. Yeah, it's... I, it's messy. I really do think it's messy. Like, um, it just didn't work very well for me. Mm. And looking over it over and over again, each like especially these first two scenes of Peter in his apartment squishing a bug and going into the closet for some new suit, and then Norman, like, rushing up to his house and seeing that the suit, his his actual suit is, like balled up on the floor and then Craven preparing for something in his, in his place, putting on his dad's vest. All of this would be serviced without those two voices Mm because it's just incredibly great art and really, really good pacing. It's impressive. Now that you said that, it's impressive that you honestly don't need none of it. Not every artist can pull this off, but like, honestly, you can follow this entire thing without a single panel. You're right. Which is good on Patrick Gleason. That's impressive. Well, I mean, he works, he plots it with Zeb. It's yeah. a whole creative thing together. I just, I would, I would literally get rid of all internal dialogue and mm-hmm. just the external dialogue. Keep it because this book is better as a slow plotting, confusing what's going to happen, yeah. and having all these voices that you you're hearing, it it like takes away the tension. Yeah. I want also. I think part of my problem is I don't care about Craven. The every story since Craven, the last Craven, the last hunt, is that what it's called? Craven's last hunt has been trying to either reference Craven's last hunt or one up Craven's last hunt, or at least. And I think this this voice thing that you're talking about follows suit from Craven's last Does hunt. It? There's a lot of text boxes, mm. um, not a lot of dialogue. It's all inner monologuing. So I think that is harkening back to that. I was delighted to see vermin, vermin, yeah, all of the vermin. And that's that's your whole like, yeah. This is this is a sequel not only to Craven's Last Hunt but also Hunted, yeah, which was the big Craven arc in um, Nick Spencer's Nick Spencer's run. So Uh, I I did like. There's just I I love. um, There's a genuine kind of like fear about and and creepiness about what Peter is is like now or Mm -hmm. like what what he is post what happened to him and i think that the text boxes kind of take that away yeah 
It's a little overwritten. A little overwritten, yeah. but yeah, that's a good point. Not, I mean, I didn't hate it. It's fresh enough. Yeah. I, it's just, I, it's, um, for me, this book has been firing all cylinders for yeah. the last couple of months, and I'm very, very excited about it every single time. And I think this is a, this is like a near miss. Yeah. 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 I just, yeah, I just don't care about. I never care about Craven. So, um, <laughs> all, but, all of the big crazy. Sort of zaniness of the last story arc with Osborne and Doctor Otto. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a tonal shift. Yes, very yeah. much so. So it was definitely strange. Um, and yeah, it was just not what I was expecting either. I was expecting more gobliny stuff because he was injected with goblin sins. Um, but this is a neat way to take this. Yeah, I liked yeah, it. Yeah. It was good. Yeah, it was good. Um, um, anything else you're excited about this? I'm week? excited about X-Men because I've been catching up on um, not every X book since the Hellfire Gala, but uh, basically X-Men. Uh, and I'm excited to read that this week. And um, I also really enjoyed, we're not going to talk about it, but if you're not reading Shazam and you like zany comic book stuff <laughs> with like the Gorilla City and um, a talking dinosaur uh, tax collector... Um, it's very silly, That's and right. uh, I highly recommend Shazam. It's it's, it's God, art by Dan Mora. You can't beat it. I love that dude. Um, so yeah. Hey, uh, tonight Noel's not going to be joining us because he's a real jerk. But we're going to be talking about uh, back to school. We're doing a back to school episode of the Cult Pop live stream tonight at eight o'clock on YouTube, Facebook, and uh, Twitch. So join us to talk about uh, what we would put in your backpack to send you away to school. With. Yes, it's it's uh, it's it's not so much back to school as it is, hey, you're going off to school and I need to impart you with some of these wisdom from, from fiction yeah. that I'd love you to learn from and or, or take with you yeah. as a as a Don't a token. read textbooks that your teachers give you. Yeah, yeah. Read these funny books. This is this is a <laughs> uh, this really is just like a topic designed for three old men. <laughs> to yeah. talk about uh, how uh, fiction changed them. Yeah. Or things they learned from fiction. Yeah. All right. Join us. Um, Other than that. Thank you. Uh, uh, where can they find you? Did you say that? Oh, Johnny Destructo's Hero Complex, located mm-hmm. at 4327 Main Street, Philadelphia, PA 19127. Okay, bye. <laughs> bye. listening to the cult pop network home to podcasts live shows and a whole lot of fun stuff for every flavor of fan follow us wherever you find your favorite podcast and be sure to join us live every wednesday night at youtube.com backslash cult pop go at 8 p.m eastern while you're there be sure to subscribe to the channel and hit the bell icon so you'll know when we drop new thunder rounds and episodes of fresh floppies a spoiler free show about single issue comics released each week until then we'll talk at you later